All your favorite CBC podcasts are now available on YouTube. The best in award-winning true crime investigations, hilarious comedies, vibrant pop culture conversations, and even more audio series are all available on CBC Podcast's YouTube channel. You'll also find exclusive video first episodes, YouTube shorts, and behind-the-scenes content from our hosts and producers that you can't find anywhere else. So if YouTube is your go-to source for podcasts, just search CBC Podcasts and hit subscribe, and you'll never miss the latest update. This is a CBC Podcast. When you first hear about the new movie Bottoms, it's one of those films that uh, even the description makes you interested. A queer high school fight club. Emma Seligman is the director. She's Canadian. And in the past few years, she's been compared to Steven Spielberg and Orson Welles. So she'll be here to talk about her new movie and the expectations that come with that kind of praise. By the way, she's not even 30 yet. Emma Seligman coming up. I'm Tom Power. You are listening to Q. Let me set up this movie for you. So yeah, two high school students, both teenage gay women. They're not exactly popular. In fact, they call themselves in the movie the ugly, untalented gays. They have trouble talking to girls, let alone dating one. So they make the obvious choice. They start an all-girl fight club in their uh, school gym to get closer, like a lot closer to their crushes. That is the premise of the new film Bottoms from the Canadian director and writer Emma Seligman. Uh, Emma, a few years ago, put out this movie you might have heard of called Shiva Baby. Uh, She made it, well, she kind of came up with it while she was studying in university. That movie blows up, especially during the pandemic. It wins a ton of awards. Emma gets profiled in like all the major media. And as I mentioned before, she gets compared to some of the greatest directors of all time. Now, Shiva Baby starred the actor Rachel Sennett, who... Uh, Emma was friends with at at school, and the two of them are behind this new movie, Bottoms. And that's where our conversation began. I just really wanted to make a teen sex comedy with queer girls um, at the center of it because I love that genre so much. And Rachel really wanted to make a comedy for women that was horny. Um, I don't know if I can say You can 100% say horny on the CBC. You can do, yeah, you can do what you can do. Uh, Okay, good. Um, And and we just kind of came together and her style of humor is so absurd, you know, in her standup and and from her Twitter and social media, you know, personality work um, that that's sort of what informed the fight club of it all and the the sort of weird tone that the the film eventually um, adopted. But that's that's where it came from. And how like um, talk to me a little bit about the pitch process. Um, I mean, we wrote many drafts of the script while I was making Shiva Baby and then Honestly, like we just got a lot of polite no's, you know, we didn't even really get to the stage of pitching it. Um, But our producers at Brownstone, um, Elizabeth Banks's company, just responded really well to it and were like, "Okay, we get it and wanted to do it. And then the same thing happened with our studio with Orion, um, which is like a lower budget arm of MGM, like every other studio just didn't even want to let us pitch it to them, um, which is fine. Um, but once we found our people, like each step of the way, they were like, oh, I get it. And it was pretty easy. There was no like, OK, we'll do it if you make it less violent or less gay or or less sexual. Um, so it was pretty easy once we found our, you know, right partners. Uh, that's, that's sort of what I was curious about, like either less violent or less gay. Like uh, how much of, of a difference is there between the... The finished draft we I watched last night versus what you and Rachel had had come up with all those years ago. 
The only thing that I would say is is different is is just how absurd it is. I think when we first were writing the script, it was even more nonsensical. Like we really didn't care to have the audience, you know, care at all about the characters or their emotional growth. Um, I think we felt that too often in female comedies, a sort of emotional arc and and um, you know a deep care for the friendship is, is shoved down the audience's throat when we really just want to be entertained and you know, laugh and, and watch them make uh, questionable choices. Listen to me. We teach a bunch of girls how to defend themselves against the evil Huntington killers. They are grateful to us. We build a community. We bond. We share. We connect. We're punching each other. Adrenaline is flowing. Next thing you know, Isabel and Brittany are kissing us on the mouth. So that's the only thing that changed with some gentle sort of encouragement from our producers and studio to ask us, you know, well, what are these characters going through and how are they feeling and what is going on in their friendship? But other than that, it stayed just as bloody and, and gay as it was originally written. I mean, the head of our studio, um, Alana Mayo is queer and like the stuff that she's doing at Orion is really bold and cool. I mean, they did women talking until last year. Um, and I think she was brought on to make bold, you know, risky choices. Um, and I guess bottoms is, is sort of one of those. Yeah. Um, how did you find? Because your other film that I, that I know you're from, Shiva Baby, is I mean it's it's a beautiful film and I and and, and I love it. And but it's a, it's a it's a talky film. It's a lot of it's a dialogue heavy film. It all takes place sort of within an afternoon. And this is a very different as a director, I would imagine, having to choreograph like you know for people who haven't seen it yet. There there are fight scenes. There are violent you know scenes of people punching each other in the face. So just how was that um, as a as a director having to learn that? that skill? It was really fun, honestly. I mean, it's very challenging, but I hope, you know, to always do something new and different that pushes me beyond my comfort zone. Um, and I worked with my wonderful cinematographer, Maria Rushi, who uh, shot Shiva Baby. And it was great. I mean, we just watched a lot of references like from Scott Pilgrim and World's End, basically just Edgar Wright movies, and looked at how can we make something stylistic and fun, but also allow our actual actors to be doing the stunts and to not work with stunt doubles. Um, and yeah, it was a fun process. And then we worked with the stunt doubles and like did some previs, you know, shooting stuff on our iPhone, like on the football field and in different locations that we were going to shoot in. And it it was challenging and new, but like really fun when you're working with people that you like. Uh, tell me a little bit about that. Tell me a little bit about what it was like to take these actors and have them kind of punch each other in the face and uh, any memories surrounding that? Yeah. I mean, it was pretty fun because I think in the movie, we're making fun of the fact that like these two characters are starting a fight club just to have sex, but they're doing it under the guise of female empowerment and, you know, supporting each other and, 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 you know, girl power or whatever that means. And then uh, in real life, when I would drop them off at the little boot camp that they did and pick them up, like they actually sort of ended up, you know, forming something that was very similar to the movie without the sex part where like I would watch one of them fall. They'd be like, look, look, look what I learned. And they would like fall on a mat. And then all the girls would be like, woo, like you did it. Like, <laughs> Hold on. What was the what was the boot camp you sent them to? It wasn't a boot camp, but it was it was our our stunt coordinator, Devin McNair, who's lovely, um, uh, just, you know, was training the girls for like 
a couple weeks, maybe, maybe less. Um, and I would drop them off in the morning and stretch with them and do like question of the day. And then I would go off and location scout or whatever it was that I needed to do. And then I would come at the end of the day to see what they'd learned. Um, so it was just done rehearsals. That's all. But I, we called it a boot camp. Okay. So there was no like solidarity. You had to get hit in the face or, or anything like that. No, no, no. It was very sweet. I mean, I, a lot of the, uh, sort of stunt rehearsing is, is, sort of boring in that you're learning how to look like you're getting punched in the face. Like that's the most important part is your, your reaction as an actor. Um, And, and it's important for us, you know, to be able to figure out how to frame it and how to sell a punch and whatnot. So it is a collaborative process between everybody. Is there, is there trust that needs to be cultivated between the actors in order to do that? Definitely. Yeah, definitely. Because if you go a little too far, <laughs> you could punch them in the face. Well, that's what I mean. You I have think, to trust yeah. that they're not going to—they're not going to mess up. They're not going to accidentally punch you. In the, plus, don't we all have like a physiological response to, to someone coming? Yeah, at the us? fight or flight response. Yeah, where you're like, this person's about to punch me in the face. I better punch them back. Um, yeah, no, that didn't happen. Um, that didn't happen. Sorry. Mm-hmm. They were—they were really good. I don't know. I. I I think later I found out that they felt pretty scared sometimes not scared but like they that they were really trusting each other and just sort of going for it um but uh they never they never showed their fears they they were always like yeah that was easy we learned that they're such professionals I don't know One of the best shows of the year, according to Apple, Amazon and Time, is back for another round. This season, we're diving deep into some of McCartney's most beloved songs. Yesterday, Band on the Run, Hey Jude. And McCartney's favourite song in his entire catalogue, Here, There and Everywhere. Listen to season two of McCartney, A Life in Lyrics on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. My, my guest is the Canadian director and writer, Emma Seligman. Their new film, Bottoms, is, is out now. So last time you were here, it was talk about Shiva Baby. Um, I think that was like maybe a week before it came out. I always remember you were such a humanitarian yes. growing up. You wanted to go on that trip and, and, and feed the homeless and teach English in the Orient. My major was sort of like women and gender studies through oh, the lens. Oh, so you could run marches, like with the pink pussy hat. Yes, exactly. Um, yeah. And, and we talked about, like, you know, you wrote it when you were a student at NYU, and then all of a sudden you're in the in Variety and in The New Yorker and, and, and all this stuff, too. Um. What I what we didn't talk about last time you were on was just sort of how film came into your life at, at all. Yeah. Um, well, I grew up in Toronto, and I think that you know Toronto is a pretty big film loving city. Do you know what I mean? Like both my parents are film buffs, and everyone in my family is a huge film buff and knows what's coming out all the time. And I bet that TIFF and hot docs, you know, play into that. Um, but I was part of the TIFF Kids Film Festival um, when I was nine. I was a juror. And I think that really opened up my eyes to more than just whatever my parents were watching. Um, and I wanted to be a film critic for a really long time. Um, and I wrote reviews and I would go to TIFF. And um, <laughs> I, I had a little blog that has since um, been taken down um, what, what, by, by me. What was the name of the blog? <laughs> 
It was called Confessions of a Teenage Film Buff. <laughs> Confessions of a Teenage And it's gone. It was scrubbed yeah, from the internet. It's absolutely. Yes. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I loved, I loved watching movies. That's how I got into it. I didn't know anything about cameras. I didn't like do photography or anything like that. Um, and then I just started directing theater in high school and really enjoyed it and, and sort of found my way to, to directing movies when I decided what I wanted to do for university. What did you enjoy about it? I loved the amount of control and the the learning of new elements that I never understood. I think once the the curtain of directing, you know, was pulled back and I could see what was behind the scenes, I really fell in love. And it's interesting with you asking me earlier about stunts, like I think me discovering sound design and um, you know, lighting and just working with tech in theater in general made me so excited. It feels so cool to be the one with the vision, you know what I mean, that you're holding in your head and you're trying to communicate to everybody else around you. Um, and I think that that continues and that I want to learn more about stunts and, you know what I mean, um, special effects and VFX and whatever it is and continue to push myself. It's like a, it's a bit of a lifelong learning thing for you. Like the journey is is part of it for you. Yeah, I think because I just love movies so much growing up, it's like getting to discover more and more and more about the thing that that made you so happy as a kid to watch, you know what I mean? And now you get to figure out how it's all made. It's it's like a science or something. The 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 journey that people take, um I say, how do I want to say this? Like I understand what you mean. Like the journey itself is what's interesting to you, the work itself, like learning the learning the thing and learning this different element of filmmaking and that different element of filmmaking. And then, Emma, like, I mean, you never talked about this before. Like, it just got really big. Like, Shiva Baby got really big. I mean, I have it written down here. You get nominated for a Director's Guild Award. It wins the Independent Spirit, John Cassavetes Award. I mean, critics are comparing you to Orson Welles and to Steven Spielberg. And what, what did you, what, how did you handle that? I mean, I think I'm pretty good at disassociating um, and I often have delayed reactions to things. I think all of the success of Shiva Baby came super slowly and virtually because the movie, it had a release in some theaters in the U.S., but it really found its audience online through the pandemic um, with film festivals. Like it it was supposed to premiere at South by Southwest, but then it premiered at TIFF virtually. Um and other queer film festivals and Jewish film festivals. And I really felt like the audience that was built for it was online um, uh, more than anything. So I didn't really feel all of that, you know what I mean, like building. And then, yes, we we were nominated and, and you know, got some awards and stuff. I don't know. It feels surreal. I mean, I'm so grateful and I'm so lucky and, and um, you know, I love what I do, uh, but uh, it's very surreal and I don't know if anyone ever like takes it in. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, obviously gratitude is assumed here. I know what you mean. And I think that like, what I find interesting about it though, is, is that experience. I, so I got to talk to um, Paul, Paul Mezcal. Is that his name? The guy in, in normal mm-hmm. people. Cause that similarly, that, that he, he was sort of unknown. And then during the pandemic, when he couldn't leave his house became yeah. world, world famous. And he told me that was such a sort of an unmooring because most of his friends who were already famous and successful had a it ramped up in a natural way but it, it totally. sounds like it's similar to you as well that like uh you, you you the film got released while you were home 
and mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden you're you come out of home and everything has sort of changed. Yes, I did not reach Paul Mezcal fame, but um, I. Yeah, that's basically what it was. I was living at my parents' house in the pandemic mm-hmm. as all of this was happening. And I was like trying to do press for Tiff as our new puppy was like teething my feet and like my parents were bickering in the background. Like it didn't feel like, wow, this is success. I was like, this is a strange experience. I've achieved my dreams, but I'm also still, you know what I mean? In this very <laughs> humbling environment. <laughs> so um Uh, Yeah, it came gradually. If anything, I think that that helped. I don't know. I don't know what it would have been like if it was just all at once physically. I mean, only with Bottoms now doing the physical release, you know, this summer, we've been able to go to film festivals. um, And that has felt overwhelming because that is an actual physical experience where you're watching and listening to the audience take your movie in. Um, And that's something we didn't get with Shiva Baby. Uh, So I don't know. So now I'm starting to feel it, I think, be- because it's just all in person. Um, you were mentioned earlier that when you were in, coming up in high school and in, in junior high school, that you were watching a lot of films. So you were you were like you were someone who was watching maybe a film a day, a couple of films a week. Yeah, my dad and I would go see movies um, once a week and we would usually sneak into another movie. So we would so there would be those on Sunday, Sunday nights. And then sometimes I would watch, I would watch often like Turner classics with him as well. Um, and, and then my family is as a whole, like the four of us, me, my mom, my sister, my dad would see movies like once a week or, 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 you know, so especially around like award season. Um, yeah. So I was watching, I was watching a lot. My family was watching a lot. You're going to get a bill from Cineplex now for like all those films that you <laughs> snuck into. You just admitted it on Canadian radio. I'm going to point that out, you know. So don't don't charge Sorry. me. But were any of the, were any were any of those films you were watching in, in junior high and high school? Were any of these sort of like those high school sex comedies? Yeah, I mean, I watched these like growing up, like as a kid. My parents had no restrictions for better or for worse on what we were allowed to watch. Really? So, um, yes, I wasn't um, allowed to watch The Simpsons. Oh, okay. Yeah, You're one of those. Yeah, yeah. That's it. I feel like that's so interesting. Rachel also wasn't allowed to watch like anything basically until she got to college. Rachel Sennett. Yeah. And uh, I think that informed her comedy and what she was interested in a lot once she, you know, had access to, to, to writing and doing her own stuff um, and the internet. But yeah, no, I was definitely watching these high school movies. I loved um you know, I was like five or six when and these movies came out, but like Bring It On mm. and um, Not Another Teen Movie and just the Kirsten Dunst era, you know, of teen movies, Dick, um, Strike, all these satires often with female leads where there there's murder involved or, you know, conspiracies or whatnot, Drop Dead Gorgeous, Sugar and Spice. Um Definitely. But also, yeah, like American Pie. My mom took me to see Mean Girls. I don't think I, I got I, I got rejected from going to see Superbad. Like I didn't get in. I tried, but I was like 12 and and I had to watch it at home when it came out on DVD. But um, yeah, I, I loved those movies. There's there's I don't know. I don't know why, but it was I think kids love watching teen movies. You feel like so. I don't know, like, I don't know, you're doing a bad thing by, by watching, like, I don't know, teen movies that are rated R or whatever. I mean, and, and it goes without saying, and this is back to what you were saying at the beginning of our conversation. I mean, all those films you mentioned, I mean, yeah, I, I love them too. And I, I watched them all. And, and you know, I still watch Superbad all the time. And like when I'm folding laundry on a Sunday, I'll still put it on. I <laughs> mean, uh, none of those films centered queer characters. And if there were queer characters in them at all, 
they were usually the butt of a joke. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, yeah, that's just the way it was, um, which sucks. Uh, but we're in a different time now. Sure, sure. I wasn't getting you to bring back your film blog and, and re- I don't have anything printed out. No, no. But I think I'm more curious about like the, the correcting or, the, or, 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 or what you and Rachel said you wanted to do when you started coming up with the idea of making this new film. You know, I think that, you know, we weren't like, okay, now we're going to do the gay version of this yeah. and therefore we've got to make it X, Y, Z. Um, I think that we just felt like we could, you know, and there was no like, oh, wow, this is going to be crazy. It's going to be queer and it's going to course correct all these movies. Um, I, I think we love these movies so much and therefore we wanted to sort of do our own version of them um, with this Uh yeah, I, didn't, I think once you start to think too hard about, well, what does the identity of these characters represent, you know, or what what does them being queer mean or how how does that make this different? It starts to get in the way of the creativity and of the storytelling and of like, well, what do, what do these characters want? You know, like, I think that that is what maybe feels different or groundbreaking is seeing queer characters, for us at least, like just be horny and flawed as opposed to... Um, how can we change this genre? It's more like how can we sort of alter how we've seen these characters on screen? Right. That that makes sense to me. One of the conversations that we were having in our office about the film um, was, um, and you say the queer members of our team had said, you know, when they when they found out about the film, um, they were stressed because they thought it would be a traumatic. You know, they heard like mm. a queer queer teen fight club. They were so conditioned or so used to it being a tragic, sad story. And I think it was a great relief to know that it can be silly and, and campy and, and all that stuff, too. That makes me so sad to hear, but then I guess glad to know that hopefully they were relieved once they watched it or found out it wasn't traumatizing or about being queer. Yeah, but you, plot. You, you, you know what I mean, right? Yeah, definitely. I definitely know what you mean. I mean, I'm some of those movies, you know, hold a very important place in terms of the progress of our representation, but they're sad to watch. And I, I'm getting really tired of, of seeing, you know, traumatizing queer stories on screen. Um, so I definitely understand that perspective. Yeah, for sure. Now that you've been able to um, show this film in, in front of audiences, what's um, something meaningful maybe someone has said to you after they've seen it that sticks out in your mind? Um, I think that, I think the the most important sort of response that I've gotten has been from young queers, um, who have said that they feel represented by it. Um, I think I've, I've been seeing something online going around of like, we need more girl failures, like not girl bosses. Um, and so I think that seeing, um, seeing and hearing from queer teens and, and young queer people who've responded well to the movie and feel seen um, in it makes me really, really happy because that's that was my only goal was to try to make some queer teen feel seen and represented and just laugh, even if it was just a handful. But it's also been really nice to see people just laugh and be excited about like laughing in a theater. I think Rachel and I, when we were writing this separate from the identity of 
you know, what this movie would mean, you know, also just really missed laughing in a theater. And this summer obviously has brought back a lot of people to theaters and a lot of the movies that have done that have been very funny and, and, you know, have been comedies. So it's great to be part of that. Um, but that's been really nice just to hear laughter around me while watching the movie. I mean, Emma, it's been, I mean, from, um, when, I remember when I saw Shiva Baby for the first time and then getting to talk to you then and just watching how the, the world finding out about you and and um, you getting these incredible opportunities and, and really just making uh, amazing films out of Canada. It's, it's really it's really beautiful. And, and thanks so much for being here. Thank you so much for saying that. I really appreciate that. And it's so nice to be here. All right, that is it for this episode of Q. Um, I love talking to Emma Seligman. I talked to her when Shiva Baby first came out, and I, I, I knew right away. Listen, I, maybe I knew right away. I like to think I knew right away that she was going to be, you know, have an incredible career. She's going to make really like game changing films, and she has. I mean, she's on the cover of like every magazine this month, and it's amazing to see things happening for her. I'm such a really big, I'm such a big fan of Emma's. Uh, the other conversation we have up today is a great story about Zalika Reed Benta. I don't know if you read her book Frying Plantain. It was long listed for the Giller Prize, which is one of the most prestigious, kind of the most. Yeah, let me say it. The most prestigious literary prize in Canada. Looking forward to your letters, other literary prizes. Um, And she almost never published it because she was told it was too Jamaican or too Canadian. And uh, she'll be here to tell you why she wanted her new book to be even more Jamaican and even more Canadian. All right, go check that out. And while you're at it, subscribe to our podcast whenever you get a chance. All right, we'll see you soon. Later on. For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.